Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. Here with Mark Henderson, the CEO of Laramie Resources, a uranium play, uh, uranium play out of Canada, Ontario, actually. How are you? Uh, very well, Matt. How are you? Thanks Not for bad. having me on and look forward to our chat. Yeah. So you're in London. Why here? In London. Uh, doing a little marketing, doing a little family visiting because I got family here. Right. For people new to this story, give us a one minute overview of the business. Okay. So we're a development stage uranium company mm-hmm. of which there are now 20 or 25 of us left after what's happened in the last 10 years or so down from probably 700 or so a decade or so ago and we were still in the business. Um, those projects that are left are the, really the ones that are going to happen now as we need them. Um, and we have a project, big project in the U.S., big project in Australia, even though, as you mentioned, we're Toronto-based, listed on yep. the Toronto Stock Exchange. Fantastic. Good overview. So, should we talk macro? Sure. I think you're all waiting for the same thing, aren't you, at the moment? We are. Big and small, waiting for the same thing. Yeah. Chemical as well, as I mentioned uh, earlier. Yeah. I'd never listened to a conference call where a big cap company spent the whole hour basically talking about macro, which is what kind of what Cameco did. They're kind of trying to jawbone the market up, I guess. I mean, their strategy is pretty clear. I yeah. think they're probably frustrated that it's taking this long. They need the same catalyst we all need because I mean, we're a development company, but mm. nobody can develop anything. I mean, you need to bring back idle stuff before obviously you're going to get to development. So give us your view. I mean, we've had lots of people give lots of opinions about what's happening in the market macro-wise. So you clearly believe in the macro thesis that it's coming, it's a question of when, get that. You don't have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. You are a believer that the utilities are the driver for that? I think supply demand fundamentals ultimately have to drive it. That We obviously can't live on inventory forever. And we've yeah. been living on inventory for quite a while now. We right. had, everybody knows what happened post-Fukushima with the demand sure, shock. Sure. I think the supply shock, if you will, yeah. is kind of a little less understood that the Kazakhs probably shouldn't have gone to 60 million pounds in that environment. Mm-hmm. And I think you had to get through that as well, which is, I think, why the market's been this prolonged. Okay. But, but what interests me is that the, the um, weight of importance put on U.S. utility buyers as a means of a catalyst for change in spot price. They're, what, 25% of the global market in the US. That's important, and we've had Section 232, we've had 90-day working group, we've had 90-day working group extensions, and people waiting this week for an announcement hasn't come. So there's a, there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace. What do you think is gonna actually drive things forward? What, what's, gonna, what's gonna be the change which is gonna well, I have no idea if that, any of that government action that they asked for is going to make any difference or they're going to deliver on it. I do think there was a legitimate hmm. security of supply issue there, whether they choose to address it you or do. not. Okay. Oh, yeah, 100%. In the U.S.? 100%. You can't. I mean, with respect to, say, something like energy fuels as mill in the United States, I don't think you want to see the last you know, hard rock uranium mill in America close. No. I mean, you can't, you know, if you go bigger picture macro and you step way back and you say, does it make sense that the U.S. military that to power submarines and aircraft carriers is going to rely on Russian enrichment to make that all happen down the track. Mm. I mean, that doesn't seem very smart strategy. So, they, yeah, are there real issues there? Yeah, you could argue that, that there are. Are they going about it the right way or will they do anything about it? I have no idea. Um, the U.S. Are, are utilities are big, huge buyers, and they've run down their inventory. So to the extent that they... To what point? What, what are they we, setting the on? The we mean revert back to... Mean revert back to some kind of level where they're naturally in the market as they should be, I think it's got to be better than here. And directionally, I think 
think anybody that owns the space thinks it can only go up. Right. And I, I'd be hard pressed to see how we could go on for too much longer. Right. With where we are relative to where the but production think, comes from. But do you think that waiting's fair? I mean, if I'm sitting around for the U.S. utilities to go, right, and you've got the rest of the world building up there with it, with it, their nuclear fleets, their SMRs, that you know, the, there's a lot of well, not Chinese, Russian plane terms are building stuff for countries which haven't traditionally had nuclear as a solution, but there's a lot of um, infrastructure being built, billions of dollars of infrastructure being built. Does the U.S. become less important in terms of the, the buying? Oh, if you go out two, three decades from now, obviously right. you think maybe, maybe okay. there. No, no, maybe there, but I mean, I think in terms of what drives, surprisingly enough for a long lead time business where people build these plants, they make all the commitment to becoming a nuclear nation, and then they go build the plants, they mm -hmm. spend five, six, seven billion, they turn the thing on, it needs 60 years of fuel. Yeah. And then apparently they don't think too much about where the fuel is going to come from beyond next month, next year. It's kind of a strange yeah. you know, mismatch. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yes, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting, the, the whole supply demand side. Like, you know, I think it's a well-shodden path, and I don't think we're going to solve it today. We're all waiting for the same thing, waiting to see what that point of change is going to be. Have you any views as to when you think the price is going to start no, getting I gave up meaningful? Good man. You lose a lot of friends doing that. A wise man. Yeah. A wise man. I, we, were, we were just going through the last yeah. sort of three years' worth of... Uh, Interviews and papers Clips. and stuff. So, oh yeah, <laughs> so don't have one of those on me yet. <laughs> so we we got, we got information on everyone and you know when 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 they thought it was going to go. And so everyone has been getting it wrong for a long time now. And it, but it's the good news about getting it wrong for a long time is that eventually you're going to be right, right? Um, let's talk about you. So you're a junior. Is that fair? Would you say yeah, you're a developer, developer? Yeah, we're really okay. in developer space. Okay. I mean, really beyond that because we've got big chunky projects that have had a lot of money spent on them, in most cases that don't really need any more money spent on them technically to make them any better technically. Right. We really need price, mm -hmm. uh, typically in some cases, and permits. Right. And then you can go, and we have two distinct projects um, that are different both technically and both in terms of scale. Well, let's, let's, let's talk about what, what, what's ready. Because yeah. you, you do use a phrase in your in your document, which is that it's, uh, one is, you know, they're, they're ready to go. So does that mean that permits are issued and it's build ready, production ready? Shovel ready? Shovel this, ready. This is the big... Are you there? No, in the U.S. case, we are, the, is the closest. We're one permit away, really, one meaningful permit away from being for, shovel for ready. New Mexico State Discharge Permit, Aquifer Injection Permit. Right. We have the federal NRC permits that are in timely renewal. So it's more a matter of we need that one permit and then the right conditions and then okay. be shovel ready. And it's a short, it's a sh an ISR thing by definition sure. is obviously a shorter build. Yeah. And then the Australian project is a different category. Let's well, stick with America. Much, yeah, I, I, I think it's really yeah. interesting to understand yeah. what, what you've got in the armory here. Okay, so you, yeah. you've got you've got the US, uh, almost shovel ready, need one permit, accurate. not easy, but you've been... Well, it's, you, you'll get permits. In the United States, you, you get, get permits. There. Every okay. permit gets litigated, but every right. permit in the end gets granted usually. Okay, okay. Yeah. So you, what's the economics around that? Uh, the economics are, it's a typical ISR, but it's a high quality ISR. Uh, what do you need to spend? Oh, it's the first phase is probably thirty million of capex to get the first million pounds online, and then you'll right. be in a cash cost of like twenty dollars. So we're looking at around a forty dollar kind of price that you can right. have visibility on for a while. Hmm. And we don't need contracts to build that because of the nature of it. Because the nature of it is this capex is small, and the operating cost has a good margin, and you can be a new entrant into the market with a 
project like that, mm. you know, and it comes on at a million pounds and then can scale up ultimately to three. Our NRC license allows us ultimately to produce three. So it's a low cost, pounds. it produces a, a million pounds. Sorry, with some scale up if you want. Right, later. okay. But with, with that, you can get some conventional non-contract. But we may you sell spot. Debt, a million pounds equity. a year with margin, you could yeah. sell spot. What a sports app. And you don't scare the market. And the, no. your project is not the least bit disruptive. And what's the timeline the there? Well, the timeline, once you were shovel ready, I think it's inside a year to build the well field. And you're not talking about a complicated thing. Okay. Phase one, we could do it without building our own recovery plant. Mm -hmm. And, you know, put loaded resin in trucks and take it to a final facility for mm -hmm. the for, to make the final product. There's a number of those things around the States. And then we would incrementally build, we would phase two as we go to two million pounds, we'd probably build the plant and do it ourselves. Right. Which okay. we have the right to do under that NRC license in, in Northern New Mexico. Okay, so phase one, you're about, you're about 40 bucks. No, phase one, we need 40 bucks, because I don't think. No, that's what I meant. I said, yeah, yeah, we, we need 40, 40 bucks. Well, we wouldn't, I don't think we'd get serious until we get to 40 bucks. Right, and that is, what does that mean? You, you just cover costs? No, we'd, we'd probably produce a cash cost of 20 and okay. no, you'd make a serious margin. Most okay. decent ISRs in the U.S., they're typically low cash costs. Okay. Um, you know, you know, you know all the companies are. Everybody knows who all the various companies are. Those companies aren't disruptive. That's why I say when the market does come back, I think that little bit of incremental ISR will start to come back into the marketplace. You know, Cameco stuff is all idled in the U.S. as well. They mm -hmm. have a bunch of ISR there as well that had the capacity of maybe two, three million pounds a year. You know, theoretically, that could come back as right. well, given time and some money, and they're they're willing to. Okay, it. so you think you know where you sit with regards to that asset? When the when the market starts moving, you are reasonably quickly into production yes. and can get some cash flow from your one million pounds a year. Yeah, and that's kind of the business plan. And we also have a view that the market, you know, as it recovers, is probably going to spend some time in that. 40 to $45 price uh, arena. Why? Just because I think it suits the two biggest players who want to make probably more margin. They want to recontract Cigar Lake, get Cigar Lake, or not Cigar Lake, MacArthur River back yeah. online, yeah. which is a big asset. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to need a lot of contracts and stuff like that. Yeah. And they're obviously the best company in the business. They have all the expertise to do that. I don't think you can go through that you know, that process that's going to naturally happen there yeah. and then suddenly be at $55. I think it's naturally going to sit there a bit and I think it suits the Kazakhs because they're... See, that's interesting to me. I, we've, I've had this conversation with a bunch of CEOs, so uh, uranium CEOs, okay? It, everyone's got a different business model and everyone's got a different story to tell and different sets of needs to tell the market, right? You know, they've got to, they've got to tell, explain the story that suits them. Yeah. It, that's interesting to me because... To me, in a supply-demand market where you've got two large players like that, it would seem sensible. If I was one of them, I'd want the price to remain lower because it stops new entrants coming into the marketplace. We don't have the peaks and troughs that we did 15-odd you know, years ago. Um, it's better to keep the price lower. You may be, you know, the smaller companies will suffer, run out of cash, or run out of the ability to raise cash. And you've got some discounted assets to buy. Have you it assumes that it assumes that they, that they sort of are sitting there, kind of voraciously looking to pick off the whole rest of the business. Well, I don't sure really. Pick the best, surely. I don't, but I think a forty forty five dollars suits them enough. I think they need to get the price up enough that their own business is more sustainable. Sure, sure. but isn't it great if some of these larger projects in Africa don't come back online? I, I look at the universe of what's out there and. 
how much demand there is to fuel all these reactors mm -hmm. that have been built with 60 year lives mm -hmm. in the reserve life of the whole business, mm -hmm. which I can't in more than 50 years. I think the Kazakhs are saying 2035 we're done. And they're the best, biggest and best, supposedly lowest cost guys mm -hmm. at the moment. Well, that's tomorrow almost. But they well, need there's no second Kazakhstan out no, there. No, but that, that's, that's my point. Yeah. So they're going to need to, like the big majors and other conventional mining, they're going to need to pick up their exploration component of their portfolio. So mm. isn't this the way to do it? Manage the price a bit. Mm, it doesn't help you. you got to find it first. I think there's been enough so, found that we've got a suite of projects that can sort of help the market as we get to the latter half of the next decade. And I think all those things that are in these development companies mm. get put in production in some kind of logical order, depending will. on okay. where the price curve is at the time and who has a need. Because a state company obviously can go build something without regard for the cash production cost if they need but, production. But, mo but most of those are not, that's not 40 bucks. Or, no, those will be higher. So I do, yeah. th no, I, I definitely see a second leg to the market where we'll have to get the market to 60, 65 to bring in all of what we know now. But if you look at what's out there in terms of the entire landscape of projects, mm. there there really aren't that many of them. And most of them are in these 20 or 25 development companies that are left. Yeah. But isn't, but isn't that the point? That's what I'm trying to get out of you. Yeah. Yeah, your, your take on it. I know you think, right, you've got something which is near-term production, you get cash flowing, and we will talk about Australia in a second. Uh, but I'm, again, interested in your view about you know, winners and losers out there because if you set your thesis, it's going to sit around 40 for a while. Well, a while, a year or two probably. Right. But, uh, but a lot of the smaller companies won't be able to survive a year or two to wait to, to get Oh, I'm not sure about that because I do think, no, what I, I, yeah, no, I think what'll happen, Matt, I do believe is what'll happen is that just the psychology of the investor base and the amount of capital that will flow to the space mm. on the first leg up in the price from 25 to 40 mm -hmm. will float all of the guys who are already in the business for the next five years, basically. Okay. It's going to be, 40 is going to seem like 80, right. <laughs> given, <laughs> given that we've been okay. in the desert for a long time. Yeah, and, yeah. And, There'll be a lot of flows to it, and I think I, I also believe that your this uranium thing is a thematic enough of a thematic yeah. for the investors that you have investors that re, you know retail and people that aren't in typical small cap things mm. that will go to a thematic like they did with say battery metals. Right. So you're saying generalists will understand the story more, follow the trend, and forty will feel like eighty to some of these companies. It, but it, it'll feel like it, but it won't be because. Not, not they from... can't move things forward until yes. one, they've got the cash there, and two, they've got the contracts to be able to uh, raise that cash. There's a catch twenty two, right? So the you're gonna have to you're gonna have to have generalist or specialist funds that believe the thematic. You're gonna have to get small companies who, without cash, can get contracts and say to the whether it be utilities or wherever, we've got the ability to definitely supply this contract which we're signing with you on the date we say we're going to supply it with the amount we say we're going to supply it and at the price we agree if if they th that's a customer interest surely well that's a, the question is does the business run in 2019 2020 2021 the way it did 10 years earlier with the utilities basically think? betting on projects or if they do bet on projects do they make three bets with three different companies mm. do you think it will I know. I think the contract market is probably different than it was before. I think it'll be. I think it'll probably be more short life, shorter life, but just be, by because okay. of what's happened with, say, the European utilities. I mean, if you're procuring fuel for Germany or Switzerland, that when you keep threatening to close the plants, 
you're probably not signing 10-year contracts. So the market's moved a little bit. And on the flip side, you got all these new Middle Eastern plants that they're mm-hmm. about to start. Mm-hmm. They have 60-year demand. So there'll be contracts around to be had. The American utilities, and they're getting reactor life extensions. There's plenty of demand around, certainly for the next 15 years, say, which is the t- mm-hmm. from what we're concerned about. That can we get our projects up in that window that's coming? Right. And I think, yes, and I, but I think other people can as well. It'll just potentially look differently. So, you know, the big stuff, say, in the western side of the Athabasca, obviously people think that's going to happen, going to get built. Sure. Lots of different views about how that happens. Yep. But it's pretty unlikely that it gets built without an end user, whether through contracts or directly being involved in the project, is at the table. Okay. And so it's an easy, those projects in a way are less disruptive because there's big chunky sort of places where there's demand and there's a few big chunky places where there's supply. And you would kind of logically expect that to kind of meet up. I mean, our thesis was always was, even with the way the market was in the old contracting market, was that there's room for a new entrant provided you had the right set of attributes that would allow you to come into the market. So we were always focused on being the lowest, you know, having the better projects being on the lowest quartile, the cost curve, because you could always kind of sneak into the market if you right. weren't okay, disruptive. So you, you knew where you sat, you know where the market would yeah. be, and scale or lack of scale, I guess, for you was the advantage. So small, scale's, small better, and, scale's better, scale's harder to get off the ground now than it was. Exactly. So, yeah. But you're saying, so yeah, we, we, we've looked at sort of gold companies, which come at you know, the same problem in very different ways. Some are like, right, we're literally starting with the same set of numbers. We're going to get into production real quick, create some cash, and then we'll build, use that cash to grow. Another company, this is a real life scenario, you, same position. They said, no, we're going to build up the resource here because that's the old way we used to do things. That's how we get uh, valued. Mm-hmm. And they're up, you know. Yeah, 10 million ounces of whatever commodity might give too many clues away. But the, the market cap, so no, no, no cash flow, cash flow, this one is worth three times what this one is, market cap mm-hmm. today. So we started at the same time. I just found it interesting. This, so why, that's why I say to shareholders, anyone watching, shareholders and investors and followers of this show, it, that's why the strategy and what's going on with the management team, they've got to make the right decisions at the right time because that has a huge effect. So, Correct. Well, you mentioned, that was interesting because you mentioned gold companies. So the big difference between mm-hmm. the gold universe and the uranium so, yeah. universe is there's a big ecosystem in gold with lots of uh, players. There's intermediate sized companies, there's bigger companies, there's exploration companies, there's a whole yeah. financial business related to royalties and streamers and everything else of providers of capital. There's a lot in it. When you get into an M&A scenario in gold, there's many, many more options that you have yeah. than if you are realistic about looking at uranium. I mean, Cameco can't buy everything. They're not going to buy everything. It's sort of unrealistic. Let's take, I mean, Kaz Adamprom, they're public now. Mm-hmm. They're going to be looking outside of they're Kazakhstan tomorrow to public. buy things and yeah. well, whatever it is. I mean, yeah. you look at who the natural buyers are. The other guys who are, there are other guys who are in the business. It's way down the food chain. Market cap wise to the next tier of companies. But so it's also a very small market. It's ten billion. It's tiny right? companies. It's tiny, yeah. tiny companies, tiny market. But it's having quite a big impact in terms of the ener- energy green stories which no, are being, it's which huge, are being told. Hugely so important. Yeah. Hugely important. Yeah. Um, like, let's when danger are getting sucked down the, the macro yeah, hole here. Of course. Let's talk about Australia. What have you got? Slightly less Slightly further back in terms of development, but where are you at? Well, it's a very good, very big project that the, with a good provenance came from Rio Tinto originally. Mm-hmm. You know, we were fortunate enough to get it. Why did you get it? 
we got it because a geologist colleague of mine was showing the project and I knew about uranium a little bit and mm -hmm. I jumped on it because the market was already moving in that mm -hmm. huge wave up we had in the last decade. It was a project that had never really seen the light of day publicly because it was all developed within majors and things. So it never had any right. public visibility the way often a discovery has when it starts with a junior right. and things. So we were lucky enough to get our hands on that. We went to Rio Tinto, bought the data from them because the 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 asset was separated from the from the da the data. Mm. Put it all together. We've done a couple of studies on it. You know, it needs the right conditions. It needs it needs the right politics in Australia at the time and the right and the right price. And everything needs price, but this also needs politics that have been on and off in yeah. a couple of states in Australia. Yeah, no, we respect to Benny. Yeah. He gave us a bit of an insight. Um, um, Julian Tapp gave us a bit of an insight about the politics right, in Australia. With regards yeah. to uranium, so it's quite yeah, interesting. He's, he's with Vimy. Vimy Resources, that's right. Yes, yeah, I had a nice chat with him actually at, Good guy. at, at, w, at WNA. Smart guy. Yeah, so everything in the Queensland thing is exactly the same as, as the WA. What happened in WA is they had ended up with a couple of terms where um, the other government was in power, and it's a mm. two party system that oscillates back and forth. And, and in Queensland, we only had one term, so we started down the yeah. road and then it went flip-flop back the other way. It'll flip, inevitably flip-flop back to the right. other party at some point and it'll get permitted. So everything in WA got permitted in that six-year window. So there's a whole host of projects yeah. that are de facto shovel-ready with permits, right. but need price. And you could argue where, price where, they where, need, but probably higher prices. Where's your project right now? Queensland. No, no, so where, where are you at with, with regards to the... No, well, we, we started all the baseline and everything else. What happened is they actually changed the policy. It went to a great uh, effort to change the policy publicly and everything else. Mm. Went through a whole commission, wrote a report like this big. Mm. This is how we're going to do uranium mining in Queensland, and then got voted out. Okay, so you're not spending any money on it at the moment, is that no, what you're saying? No, it's, it's in a kind of a holding pattern. Holding we're, pattern right. we're doing a little bit of money to keep all the tenement in good standing. We've also, what we did is we went and we, you know, we liked the geology there. There was the uh, extension of the geology mm. off to the west in the Northern Territory that was controlled by Rio. We yeah. ran JV with Rio and then we, we bought them out of the JV actually. So we basically control all the prospectivity, so, all, the entire district. So do you know what you've got? Oh no, in Queensland we got 50 million pounds. It's a great project. It's, a, it's, it's the equivalent of a, of a, you know, a two and a half gram open pit West African gold mine with a two to one strip. It's, Right, is it big, 60 meters deep. Sorry, yeah, have you put any value? Very good metallurgy. Well, well no, what's this value attributing to it? I mean, you're a 30, well, $30 million we've been, company. We've right? had it so. forever. So in the in the last bull market in, mm. let's say, 06, 07, with basically that as our lead asset, mm. we didn't have Church Rock at that point. The mark, company had a market cap of $700 million, And it was banned at the time. Mm. This is before Australia even got rid of the three mines policy, just on the speculation that... Well, inevitably they'd have to because why would they not yeah. ultimately want to build this? Right. So, when people are optimistic about things, the things right. get tend to go to right. So big valuation. You're thirty million, thirty million market cap. Are you putting any value on the Australian asset? Or is it of course, on the US? no, no. Are we putting value? on Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, you're basically buying everything for twenty five cents a pound on the ground. So it's we right. don't put the value on the market. Right. When they're optimistic, we'll right. give you three, four, five dollars a pound. When they're pessimistic, they'll give you. Right, ten, twenty cents. I mean, you interview lots of companies. What's yeah. the lowest one? What's the lowest one that anyone had of all the various folks that come in? And they've all got real projects. They're all good projects. There's, there's lots of good yeah. projects, right? So, what I'm trying to get at for retail mm. guys who, you know, get you know can get confused and uh, distracted by macro stories and you know there's a bit of the detail. It's like I want to know from companies precisely 
what you're going to do. Like if I look at you, you're 30 million market cap, share price half of what it was at the beginning of the year, like a lot of people, okay, I'm not, it's not just a you thing. You're waiting for that, that change of price. You know, the spot price has got to move. Um, you've got, I mean, for instance, how much cash are you sitting on? Oh, very little. And we're constantly raising money all the time. Right. I and mean, we, we're in year eight of the bear market. Yeah. And I own 10% of the company. So yeah. are we going to make it through the desert? Yeah, we'll make it through the desert. I can't tell you exactly how. Right. And, then, and then where the question is, you're, you're buying optionality at the bottom, I guess, right? So when we come to build these projects, we're lucky in that we can build a small CapEx starter project to get, actually get in the business at, at, at okay. the lower part of, the, of yeah. the pricing cycle and then eventually go build the bigger project. But when we had a 700 million market cap, our concern wasn't your market cap's too small to build your project because yeah. it was two times the CapEx. Yeah. And the environment, when we get to $40, we won't be at... 30 million market cap. Yeah. I don't know what it will be, but yeah. I presume higher. But, but that's what I'm starting to say. How, do, how does a company of your size, you know, ride through this kind of tough period, this trough? And it's a hell of a trough, right? Um, we don't know when the price is going to go. You're raising money constantly. When's the last time you raised capital? Summer. Summer, right? Okay. And that's keeping the lights on in the sense that you've got GNA, you've got salaries to pay. You guys are paying yourself a lot less now than you, you have been in the past, right? The group you're talking about. Yeah, the board, yeah. the board, the director. No, no, 100%. Manage, we, 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 team, but we've, right? been, we've been very cognizant of this for quite a while. But you've, that, you've that cut it off at the to, knees, right? Well, because we, yeah, and we also, uh, this particular company lived through the first crash because we had the uranium, we had the crash from the GFC when we were $100 and then we went yeah. to 40 Yeah. and everybody made some adjustments in their thinking about when things were going to happen. Yeah. And, we were fortunate in that we kind of ripped right back because the Chinese bought everything back up to 70 before Fukushima. Mm. And so I think people were back again thinking, okay, this is really going to happen. And so I think it was slow to happen because I do think post Fukushima, I think most of the industry players and certainly the developer group, yeah. we thought it was 12 or 18 months in the penalty box and then things are going to be back to normal. Yeah, and- but like, 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 like you guys, a lot of guys kept paying yourselves some quite good salaries, right? Weren't waiting for this thing to turn. It hasn't turned. And you made the decision, like, guess at the beginning of the year to so we can't keep doing this but we're we keep raising money we're spending it not you're spending it standing still right you, you you're not much going to, on to some extent yes matt but i would say the thing i said mentioned earlier so and i think the thing that's preventing some of the other things that would ordinarily happen when a bear market goes on this long is that that you don't have the natural m a outcomes that you might have in sure. say a gold space of course because not. you don't have the 10 other people that have been watching your project the whole time going, I just can't wait for them to be, get into the give up mode and then we're going to step in and we're going to buy that. And fantastic. So the, the question is, is even if you got to that place price-wise and everything else, there, there's, no, there's no one to buy all these projects. You have to redo it in a different way and find different. So if we look at people like John Borshaw, Deep Yellow, yeah. he's talking about a roll-up. He is talking about doing what you said people aren't doing. Do you think that's a realistic model in this market? Depends on the specifics of what the plan is because I've never, and I think you see this in gold too, it never makes sense to put two development companies generally together under one roof with the idea you're going to get a revaluation because developers can develop one thing at a time. Even big companies don't try and build two mines at once. So it has to be something that brings something else to the table or there has to be 
some kind of fit with the assets or there has to be some kind of geographical thing you're trying to accomplish. Mm. You have a little bit of that in uranium. So part of the thinking when we put these companies together, part of the reason to be in the jurisdictions we're in is because that's going to be of appeal to Western utilities. Mm. And, and I still think that kind of thing is interesting. And I also think the countries that you're in are interesting. So there's in terms of development and bigger companies, yeah. there's probably companies that won't want to develop things in certain jurisdictions for one reason or another, right? right. And so I think that that's a, uh, a barrier, but I do think there's companies that maybe could benefit by having, this may be a case where as a company, you get some kind of value add from having more uh, diversification right. in your suite of projects so that when you go to the utilities and say, Mr. Utility, give me a 10-year contract at $60 escalated. Mm. I can't tell you what mine it's coming from, but look, we got all these mines yeah. and this is how we're going to do it. And that was really John's strategy when he did Paladin the first time around, sure. Paladin, Paladin 1.0. Yeah. No, and I do think he was on the right track. And that, to some degree, everyone wanted to be Paladin 2.0 without some of the well, it's, it's, it's the poster boy. It's the poster boy, right? But yeah. it obviously, it went down as quickly as it, it, it went up. And I hope some people made some money there. But I know a lot of people got left holding the baby, right? But let's let's come back to your strategy, your thing, because you know there's a bunch of co small companies around your market cap with various assets in Australia, uh, Africa, a few in Africa, with again slightly different models there, north and south. Um, you've got a bunch of Canadian guys sitting in Athabasca thinking we got it made because we got the right postcode. The truth is, for investors right now, looking at all of you guys, it's like, it's really, forgetting the price component to this, assuming price comes back, who do they go for first? Who's got the best model? Who's getting into business first? You know, where's the share price appreciation come from? Because you all talk about the same thing. You all say shareholder right. value, you know. what? Who's actually going to deliver? Oh, no, I agree with that. And I think, do think it matters. And I think we've got very good assets that I'm really happy to own and not in a hurry to be handing but off. But Australia's saying what you just told me. Australia is, is parked up for now for, for, for a bunch of reasons. They've got some inherent value there at some point. But you're all about the U.S. Well, we're all about having development assets that are going to be developed. I right. Mean, we're, when you talk to anybody in the business now, they're all talking about what happens in the latter half of the next decade because that's kind of the investment cycle that you get into with uranium. I mean, there isn't any longer lead time yeah. business that you can be in, I don't think, commercially, other than, yeah, be than uranium. <laughs> yeah, well, other than maybe that high-speed train you're trying to build now, <laughs> Birmingham or wherever it is. Yeah, I mean, that's a little longer lead time, a little more money, but I, yeah. I mean, the next thing down from that is let's build a nuclear power plant. Yeah, you know, which we're doing. Yeah, and so then it's a question of how do all these guys, and the little uranium guys at the bottom of the food chain and all that. But answer the question, who's, yeah. who's gonna win? How are you, how are you gonna win? How, why, why should people choose you guys versus the suite of other guys t saying the same thing? What, what, what have you got? Well, we think we, have, we think we have better assets, bigger assets, like in terms of optionality, in terms of what you're paying per pound on the ground. I mean, if that matters and you wanna get more leverage, we yeah. theoretically have more leverage. Yeah. If you look at it from that standpoint, and, okay. and, and the first phase is we're gonna revalue these pounds in the ground from, 25 cents to a right. dollar. So some people love that pound in the ground. That's the, they're happy to invest like that. But there's also cost associated with that. So you think because you've got that scale? That you're I, not yes, I think at the bottom of the market, right. you're gonna get into, a, no one wants to invest in these companies at all right now. When they start moving, the first thing is they're all gonna, basically all gonna move and then people are gonna start to do more analysis about why do I care about this company or that company. And then I think the first phase of valuation um, analysis, if it will, by analysts who don't exist now, but the minute there's momentum, we'll be back in the market. Yeah. They'll be trying to differentiate these companies. 
if history is any guide, that valuation metric in the ground of what's your pounds in the ground going to be kind of thing, and where do you sit vis-a-vis everybody else? Yeah. Never mind all the jurisdiction and everything else. That's kind of the one simple thing that you can look across everything and say, what is it? And obviously sometimes- It's quite simplistic, though. Obviously, sometimes there's a reason for why one is versus the other because yours are $80 pounds and yours are 20 sure. right? But as a simple thing where you have to do something qualitatively, because remember, when we get to 40, most everybody is still not going to have projects that have positive exactly. This is my point. This is my point. <laughs> this is why I want, I want you to get, I'm trying to get out of you because pounds on the ground is right. great, but it, they've got to be economic pounds on the ground. Right? Well, they you don't though. There's a valuation methodology that's all based around optionality and how this can happen going forward. And, mm. and if you think there's a a next leg of the market where we get to the next stage in pricing, then all of these things eventually have more value. Okay, so I've heard two things, pounds on the ground yeah. and you've got near-term cash flow when it hits 40. What else have you got? Well, I mean, the, the, the projects, you gotta look at the suite of projects that's out there in the, in the landscape, which mm-hmm. are well known. They're mostly all in these companies. I don't think many of the, when we talk about the big state players, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's China or France. Or, what, what, what's that going to do with you and your company? Why do you think that's good for you? Well, I don't think they have a whole lot of hidden gems in their portfolios that you don't know about. Mm-hmm. Like the guys that are in the few public companies around that have these projects, mm-hmm. you know, that is really the future portfolio production profile for the industry, mm-hmm. I believe. There isn't a whole lot of things that are sitting inside, I don't believe, Kaz Prom or... Um, Orano or that we don't know about. We know what those projects are. They might not be public at the moment, right? But there isn't, a, you know, there needs there needs to be a pipeline. So the pipe, the industry pipeline is this suite of these juniors, really, it, for the most part. It, yeah, it is. And the, you know, the, like I say, you will say the same things. You know, and like, what I've heard different from you is you can get into production a lot quicker for a lot less money, mm-hmm. right? So that's, that's good. Um, but I'm, I'm just trying to get a sense of why people should be. Thinking you versus the next guy, you know, if you were pitching well, against I don't, them. Well, I don't typically talk about competitors or whatever. All that mm-hmm. information's out there. I mean, the projects that are they're in a variety of public companies. I think there's maybe twenty or twenty-five of us. Mm-hmm. There's a new ETF that got created. Yep, that, so. that basically those are the names. Mm-hmm. There's a handful of projects, maybe four or five names that didn't make it in there, but that probably deserve to be in there because they got real projects. Yeah. But that's it. That's your universe of that's your universe of future right. development opportunities, and the market will put a price on that based on how they see it happen. And I do think when you get to forty dollars, the the industry is going to be a lot more flush than it is now. I mean, this this is this is a place where market caps have I don't know are we down 90 percent. So the minute the market cap starts coming back, the, mm. the 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 ecosystem gets a lot healthier. Mm. And then it's going to differentiate with how things happen. I mean, we have a plan about how we want to bring things online. Well, we're going to do the U.S. and the U.S. will probably start at one and then go to two. And then uh, if the market starts getting stronger, we'll start to get Australia ready to go. Australia is probably a latter half of the 2020s, probably requiring it's five million pounds a year, say. It's probably going to require but also two million pounds of contracting, really, realistically. But assuming permitting and... Yeah, no, assuming all those things happen. Yeah, no, I got to... There's a big S because, you know, we've seen companies... Yeah, stagnate and sit around for a long well, no, time. Well, no, those are the kind of projects. I mean, it's, things get built in Australia. I mean, all I th- I'm, I'm on the assumption that everything we all know about in Australia is going to get built. Right. And there are a few things. So there are a few things that that are wild cards that aren't in this little universe like Ranger Deeps, which is potentially quite big. Um, there's Jabaluka, which has been there since mm-hmm. 1969. Mm-hmm. So... 
that could be a wild card come winging in a left field and suddenly, whoa, there's three hundred million. Maybe, pounds. but you're all in the same boat with Australia. No, but I say in terms right. of things that are big projects that can happen. I mean, it's not permitted or anything either. But these, these are you know ifs and buts at the moment because Australia is a, a say we and we've had this like say, discussion with Julian yeah. with with the, uh, with the Vimy guys and you know we've got a sense of what's going on there. And there's a process to go through, yeah. so it will get there. So. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll get there. And I think the market, I think the market does that kind of risk assessment that you're talking about, in terms of, do these guys have real projects? Can they deliver? Will they get the permits? Here are the actual risks in their particular company. But that affects the timing when you get it. One hundred percent, right? So yep. not just for the company, I'm talking about investors. Should I go now or can I get invest in something else and then come back to this thing? It'll still be at the same place. You know, those are the thoughts that are going through the minds of uranium investors. So the ones that. Talking to talking to us. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay, Mark. That's a great yeah. okay. yeah. first introduction to the business. Pleasure. It's neat to. Thanks for the opportunity. Yeah. No, it's good. I'm just fascinated by the yeah. way that people think and the, the way that you plan to find your niche, your space in the marketplace. With as you say, with all these big players and also a raft of smaller players who are coming through, telling their stories. Um, I'm intrigued to see. What happens in the market? Well, delighted to come back, and hopefully, we'll have made some progress. Do do that. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.